Welcome to the Rust Belt Rundown, brought to you by Rust Belt Recruiting. This podcast is designed to shine a light on the meaningful work being done in Northeast Ohio and the surrounding region. We will convene manufacturing executives and Northeast Ohio business leaders for candid discussions about their business, regional happenings, industry trends, entrepreneurship, and more. Now, let's get running on the rundown. Okay, welcome everyone to episode 16 of the Rust Belt Rundown. I'm your host, Paul O'Connor, and on this episode, we are joined by Chris Berry, president of Ohio X. Uh, Chris, listen, last week we had a Bobcat on. Uh, we usually do not allow Red Hawks on, but we'll make an exception uh, with you. Chris, welcome to the podcast, man. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks for having me, Paul. And uh it's it's been a little bit better for Bodcaps recently because they they've had some fun in the NCAA tournament. So I'm a little jealous of our friends in Athens. Yeah, you know that uh, that rivalry is a funny one. You know, depending on who, some people don't even think of it like a rivalry, and other people <laughs> it really, really seriously. I think it really nope. just depends on the year. Um, but yeah, what it, it was more serious when I was in school. I grad, I went uh, 07 to 11. And okay. I was, I was taught it, you know, I'm not from here. I'm from the East coast. So I was really taught, Hey, we hate those guys. And it was like, okay, we hate them. You know, now I hate them. <laughs> if you hate them, we hate them. I don't know. I hate them. <laughs> like, you know, and then I, visit, yep. I actually got to visit you guys once, man. It's like, it's the same campus. It's just brick everywhere. Right. Yeah. It's, it's basically just ones in the kind of Southeastern part of the state ones in the yep. Southwest, Southwestern part of the state. So yep. uh, very, very similar campuses. Like, I mean, there's just so many similarities, uh, between the two, except for, you know, Miami just being better, but that's. Wow. All right. All right. We're going to end it there. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, yeah, it was good, good talking with you, Paul. <laughs> good talking with you. Um, cool, man. Well, let's jump in. We, we like to give uh, our guests an opportunity to introduce themselves, you know, as if everyone listening um, doesn't know who you are. So tell us, tell uh, the listeners a little bit about who Chris Berry is. Yeah, sure. So I, uh, Chris Berry, I serve as the president of Ohio X. We're a newish statewide technology and innovation partnership uh, beyond the catchphrase, I guess. Uh, we're a statewide tech and innovation nonprofit working to help build Ohio into a leading tech hub. And so we're a member-based organization uh, and our members allow us to do what we do. And we have membership from Fortune 500 companies that are doing you know, incredible, innovative work all across the globe to some of Ohio's most exciting startups and everything in between. So hospitals, university systems, uh, privately held small businesses, you name it, have gotten involved. And I think that's for a couple of reasons. One is we've taken the approach that every company is now a technology company. Uh, and I think we've seen that in the pandemic that, uh, you know, even you and I talking right now, we're on Zoom, this is tech and it's tech enabled. Uh, so that's kind of one. And then two is, I think a lot of people just really are passionate about Ohio and what technology and what innovation and companies and careers and job opportunities can do for our state and uh, what they can do for Ohioans who can get jobs in there. And so it's a pretty incredible organization. I'm very honored and every day I, I love being able to lead it. So it's, it's so much fun. Um, well, you're 100% right that people are passionate about Ohio. If it's not the number one most prideful state, it's got to be in the top five. Um, but that's for another podcast. So before we jump into Ohio X, your background includes a decade of experience in public office, um, both at the state and federal level question, you know, what do you see as the low hanging fruit for 
innovation in the public sector, specifically in Ohio over the next five to 10 years? I would say, to be honest, it's 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 a low hanging fruit where there's probably so much that you can do. Um, every you know, it's kind of a joke, but it's also true that a lot of times government is behind uh, private business, and it's not for a bad reason because first and foremost, there's no greater responsibility than if you're in government than to protect tax dollars and be good good responsible stewards of of citizens and the taxpayers of either the state or the country, or, you know, if you work at a local government. And so there's inherently this, you know, mission where you're not supposed to necessarily be cutting edge. You're not supposed to be innovative in, in a certain sense of you're not there to kind of test and break things like a lot of companies are. And so that's kind of like the first piece. And so I think a lot of times, sometimes the public sector can be a little kind of a joke or treated unfairly because, you're not, you know, you, 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 you're not supposed to be doing what the Facebooks and Amazons are doing. It's a very different role. So that's kind of the first part. But then the second is there's just incredible opportunity to just take technology and improve efficiencies. And so I think if you look at local, state, and federal levels, uh, it's going to happen. And the real key to that happening, and I know you talked with them recently, uh, Lieutenant Governor Husted is one example, is that it takes leadership because there's so many incentives to just kind of do things the way they are. And so for leaders to be able to kind of push that envelope, which, you know, adopting technologies and just using whether it's software or other things in order to improve the the day-to-day functions of government, again, for taxpayers. And so there's all these ways you can do it, both big and small, but it takes leadership. And that's the toughest part. And for all these elected officials that sometimes talk about how they want to be these incredible leaders, they kind of get in and it's a lot tougher. And so I think it's a long way of saying that in Ohio, we're really lucky with Governor DeWine, Lieutenant Governor Husted, who have made tech and have made innovation such a focal point of their administration because of the opportunities it can bring. And so it's just really an exciting time in Ohio for this space because really, the, again, it, it starts at the top. And with any organization, if the leadership isn't bought in, then that's really difficult. And so I think you see that trickle down. And there's incredible leaders from across the state that are, you know, a friend of mine, Doug McCullough, who's the chief information officer at the city of Dublin, which is a central Ohio community. They're doing some incredible work and they've been so inviting for things like autonomous vehicles and connected vehicle technology. They're doing stuff with blockchain. And it's just so incredible to see and a real asset to taxpayers for the communities that, you know, they live in. And so you can see it, but I think the the norm isn't always to, hey, let's do this stuff or knowing necessarily where to start. Yeah. Well, speaking of vehicles, if we could laser focus, I'm currently going through the process of changing a title for a car, getting a new license here in Ohio. If we could fix that uh, so we could all not go to the DMV anymore, that would be great. Uh, That would (laughs) be, if we could fix that first, um, it'd be fantastic. Well, but, but one example, and so I just had to renew my license and you know, you, you kind of dread it, even though you go once every five years, because you just don't want to sp- spend time at the DMV. And so a small little thing there, a couple of examples, actually, when I worked at the state treasury, uh, that team, 
made it possible to pay with a credit card. So that's something that before you're writing checks, you're paying cash. And I'm, and I, I, I didn't work there all that long ago. And so just to kind of see some of this really, you know, in some ways what you think simple, uh, those are big lifts. And so it takes a lot of leadership to do that, but more, more recent, I would say is the example of innovate Ohio and what they were able to help lead on and allowing you to check in online. And so you're able to go onto the app, schedule an appointment and then check in online. And for me, it probably cut off an hour wait where yep. I was able to, you know, do chores at home, like do whatever, drive over, stand in line for like five minutes. It was a nice day. No big deal. Went in, renew my license and left. And so there's these little examples and, and that's a, you know, one perfect example that just is, is random and popped up. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's talk through your resume because it's quite impressive. We, uh, Taylor and I were talking, we have no idea how you do all the things that you do. Um, we don't know when you sleep, but uh, the list uh, on your resume includes advise that you're um, on the advisory board for 10 XTS and claim found, um, as well as being the co-founder for Greenblock. So walk us through those three organizations, your role, how you got involved, all that good stuff. Yeah, sure. So I was, as, as we talked about, I was in the public sector, uh, really enjoyed that, had the opportunity to work on a bunch of technology projects. And that was where I enjoyed it the most fun going back to our, you know, a, a moment ago of, I think there's just incredible impact that technology can have for, in our case, Ohioans in the state that we live in. And so I was doing that uh, a couple of years ago at this point you know, elected officials come and go offices are always changing. And so when you work in government, it's always kind of a, you know, you might have a job for two or four years, because if an administration changes, you know, they might bring in their own people. And that's just very natural. And so kind of around that time of all these offices changing people getting new jobs, kind of filling in different slots. Uh, I, I was kind of at this crossroads where I was at the point in life where I'd worked long enough that I kind of, you know, had been around for a little bit, but at the same time, I uh, was still young enough that I felt like I could kind of take a risk and try something completely different and new. And that's what I did. I went with the new. I think there's probably only a few times in life where you have that opportunity and I, no kids yet or anything like that. And I could do something a little more risky. And so I left and I went left government, wasn't doing anything in government uh, and started working with startups and tech companies. Uh, so I was an entrepreneur myself. And so that was something completely new, a huge learning process. And so Greenblock, which is a, a company and, and it's kind of a consultancy uh, meets like a media holding company, if you will, at this point, because we're building out different verticals and things. Uh, I, that's a ton of fun. And so we would work with, again, startups, other, other tech companies, product companies. Uh, and so in the process of that, you meet all these startups all over, uh, 10XTS and Claim Founder, a couple examples where uh, they're doing some really interesting work in fintech. And I, that's kind of a, a nerdy passion of mine. And so uh, you just get to know some of these amazing entrepreneurs and like Claim Found, for instance, they're out of Gainesville, Florida, and they're trying to help put money back in the pockets of Americans across the entire United States because Little, little to be known, there's actually a ton of unclaimed property, so unclaimed dollars that are owed to people in every state across the country. Just most people don't know about it. And most states, going back to the technology capabilities, it's not necessarily all that easy to help people find it. So Claim Fund is this company that, that helps do that. And they build these you know, websites, they build these interactive maps, they're doing all this FinTech work. And so in the process of, of building this company, you, know, you meet other entrepreneurs. That's what I did and uh, able to get involved. Awesome, man, claim found. 
just bought a house. I wish I looked into that first before. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let's jump into Ohio X. So like you said, it's relatively new. Uh, I believe it was formed in 2019, correct? Yep. Okay, so yeah, tell us tell us about that. How it was formed and, and what was the, what were the, because I, I assume there were multiple, the motivating factors for creating it. Yeah, so as I mentioned, I, I was an entrepreneur at this point as the kind of idea was born. And if you had told me three years ago, I'd be doing this, I'd be like, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and so in the process, I'm just going around with business friends and colleagues talking and you know, you're just hanging out, grabbing coffee. This is all pre-COVID. Uh, and I'm in Columbus and business partner Cleveland and friends in Cincinnati. So just going all over. And repeatedly, we kept coming into really two themes that you hear over and over. And it didn't matter if we were talking with people that were doing really interesting stuff at big fortune 500 companies or working uh, for startups, for instance, in, in Ohio um, or th something in between. The first was for all the incredible technology and companies and ideas that are in Ohio, it was very siloed. So if you go to Cleveland, people would say, I know exactly what's happening in Cleveland. I know the tech scene. I know the tech sector. I know which companies are doing what I know. You know, I just know every, you know, it's one degree of separation. You go to Columbus, same thing. There's this incredible community. You go to Cincinnati, same thing, an incredible tech community. But the, the, the issue we kept seeing was, and this is again, the kind of key with my background, having worked on a state wide perspective of stuff. And then also having all these business kind of colleagues and friends in different cities was, it was really difficult to go from one part of Ohio to the next. And so if you're in Cleveland, I'm in Columbus, you'd kind of say, Hey, I'm coming to your town. Like, how do I learn about tech in your city? And it was like really difficult to like, well, like, you know, you're going to have to spend a really long time here and really network and hope, you know, people that can make introductions, excuse me. And so as you know, we kept hearing that it was like, okay, there's got to be a better way to build a statewide tech community. Uh, and so that was kind of the first piece. And then the second piece was, again, this, we'd hear this from everyone is all this incredible work is happening. We wish more people knew about it because we're not Silicon Valley. We're not Boston. We're not Seattle, nor are we really trying to be. We have our own unique stuff here. We're just really spread out and it's Ohio. Most people especially on the coast, like consider flyover country. Well, that's just not the case. Like you can stack up the tech and the companies and the organizations that are doing work here anywhere and they'll match up. And so it was this kind of challenge of connectivity and this challenge of awareness. And we said, okay, there's gotta be something we can do about it. And that's where this kind of small informal group just started talking and we started having conversations and then it kind of turned into, well, what can we do about it? Uh, in the process of that, long story short, we noticed that there are groups that do what Ohio X does for practically every sector, every industry in Ohio on a statewide basis, but it didn't really exist for tech. And then we looked across the country and saw that there were groups like Ohio X that were in most other states. So they were in North Carolina and Oregon and Colorado and Georgia and Washington state, Iowa, you name it. And it was like, wow, this is really interesting because it like works for all these other sectors and industries in Ohio and it works for tech in all these other states let's do it here. And so that was that catalyst. And then we loved that it was this nonprofit model because the belief and the passion is, is it shouldn't be about one company or one individual or one small group of people, but hopefully we can build this thing into having staying power for some cases, you know, decades. And that may sound a little crazy, but you look at groups across the state that again, do it for restaurants or hospitals or farmers. And a lot of them have been around for decades upon decades. And so we hope to have the same impact and the same staying power 
as we're building Ohio X as all these other groups. And so that's kind of how we started. And it's been completely entrepreneurial, just, you know, brick by brick. There isn't one million dollar check that helped fund this thing. It was just kind of a bunch of people that were passionate about technology in Ohio, building Ohio tech, building us into a tech hub. Uh, and then a couple, you know, entrepreneurs like myself, crazy enough to do something like this. Cause you gotta be a little nuts to do a startup. You gotta be really nuts to do a startup nonprofit. Yeah, you do. Um, yeah. So, okay. So that's the why behind creating it. I want to talk us through the, the last couple of years. I mean, like you said, it started in 2019. I, nobody saw COVID coming. It's, it's a tough thing for your year two to be COVID. So talk about, I guess it's a two-part question. One, what, what the last year has looked like for you guys. Um, and then two, what type of initiatives uh, you guys wanted to, to start right away? You know, it's like, okay, the why was there and then yeah. now what? Yeah, great question. And it actually, we started in 2019, but it was December 2019. So oh, all wow. of this is, it's like year one. So we're like now into month 13 or something. Okay. And so it's, it's actually been kind of a wild ride. Uh, as, as anyone, you know, starting something in COVID, it's like, you know, boy, this was, this is nuts. And so we launched in two, you know, December of 2019 and we had a tremendous reception. And again, like there isn't some like million dollars behind this. I'm not a former startup exit founder who like sold a company for a bill, you know, I'm a nobody. And so we just had a bunch of people who were passionate about this and building it. And I think we built it in a really good way to attract a bunch of people and to kind of show, you know, Hey, this is what the mission is. And, you know, anyone is welcome to join us. And so we launch it and the reception was incredible. I mean, it was just so cool to see people from across the state and myself and a couple others spent December, January, February traveling. And I, I did some math recently and I think I had like 65 meetings in like every city that you can imagine. And it was, and it was just incredible. And so the last kind of two weeks before everything shut down in March, I had been in Cleveland, Akron, Canton, Columbus, Dayton, Cincinnati for like two weeks. I was home for like one night and, you know, staying in hotels or with friends and family the rest of the time. Cause again, this is a nonprofit startup. There's, there's no money. And so, you know, and then everything shuts down. And I mean, literally if all of us, you know, we all lived through this together, it's like, we didn't know if the stock market was going to zero. We didn't know what was happening. And so what we, you know, everyone kind of saw is like, if you're in a big co everything kind of just grinded to a halt because I didn't really know what they're doing. No one had ever worked from home, you know, company wide before. And so there was just like every decision, every like partnership, you know, it was all just grinded to a halt for startups. A ton of them went into just like survival mode where they're just cutting every, so it was just an incredibly difficult time. And I would say March, April, May, maybe the first half of June, there were a lot of nights where it was like, this is the dumbest idea I've ever had. And like, this is just, you know, this is not going to turn out well. I would say then that's, and, and you know, that coincides with nice weather, people kind of realizing like, you know, there's toilet paper in this grocery yeah, store. The, the initial like, panic has worn off a bit. Yeah, like the market's kind of starting to come back. And so that coupled with a couple things we were doing we started to see this, like the momentum come back and we, we kept doing things, you know, all during that time, but it was just like, you know, trying to figure out cause our entire playbook went out the window. And so 
we, in, I would say in July, it picked back up and you kind of asked about what we were hoping to do versus like what we ended up being able to do. And so one perfect example is this thing we, we do called the Ohio X tech tour. The idea was we'll go across the state and see what's happening in all these different cities and talk to people in Youngstown and Akron and Canton and Cleveland and Toledo. I mean, you name it. We thought pre-COVID we were going to do this in person, which traditionally would just, you go to a city, you have an in-city in, in event, and that's kind of it. You go to the next place. COVID halts that. You can't do that. So it forced us to go virtual. So we ended up launching in, in July, and that's kind of where the momentum starts to kick back. Ohio X Tech Tour, which was 10, 10 cities, 10 events, 10 weeks. And we went to 10 different cities, I should say. Uh, what was cool though, because it was virtual. And I think this was this like stroke of genius that we couldn't have planned for was as we have our kickoff event in Cleveland, which was, I think the week after July 4th, about half the people that show up virtually, of course, were from Cleveland. The other half were from the rest of the state. And so what this virtual world allowed for was the rest of Ohio being able to learn what was happening in Cleveland in this first event. The second week we right. go to Youngstown, the exact same thing. Half the people from Youngstown, half the people from the rest of the state. And so in a lot of ways, it was the first time most people across Ohio were able to learn about what's happening in tech outside of their own city. And so it was just this incredible stroke of luck in the middle of a really difficult time because it allowed us to also show the value of what we're trying to do of we're not trying to replicate what's in, happening in any one city. And we have a ton of great partners that are doing terrific work in their respective region. For us, it's about statewide. And so like that, the turnout for that is exactly what we were hoping to accomplish. We just didn't realize that we we're going to accomplish it in a different way. And so that was like this like really big booster where it turned into fall you know, a ton of momentum. And then for whatever reason, and I, you know, kind of a couple of theories, but I don't really know exactly why January, February, the first half of March this year have been the second biggest kind of bump and momentum spike since we kicked off and started about a year ago. And I don't, again, I don't know why, maybe it's the vaccines, maybe it's a couple of the stuff we're doing, but it's just been like incredible to see the growth and momentum that we've had. Um, and it's just, it keeps going up, which is so fun to see. Yeah, I mean, we, I've, we've talked about it with almost every guest of how everyone has adjusted over the past year, what virtual yeah. has done for them. And uh, I mean, we fast forwarded into the future. It, it, I mean, think about when we all go back, whenever that is, when the world is, everyone likes to say, somewhat normal again. Um, you know, my work is just, but we're going to be hybrid. You know, we're not going yeah. back five days a week. That would have never, that would have took 30 more years for that to happen for organizations to be like, you know what, we can work from home, you know, yeah. we can do it, you know, the whole world has survived working from home. So it's, it's just fascinating, like the virtual thing. We have a similar thing at Hondros where I work where yeah, and any realtor, any broker from across the country can come on a career night and talk to people interested in real estate where you know, we had to do it at our sites beforehand. So it's been Yeah, it's been crazy. It's it really has been beneficial. I'm always one of those people that try to look at the the silver lining and there are, there are silver yep. linings over the past year. Although I don't think we would do it again, but there are, no, there are no. silver linings. But you gotta, you gotta find it when it, once it happens to you. Yeah, you gotta find it. Um, okay, so let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, I really enjoyed the Ohio X webinar yesterday with Secretary of State LaRose. I wanted to yeah. um, ask you, and his topic was specifically about 
not specifically, but he did talk a ton about the security of the elections and the election process, which obviously has been a topic uh, for the past year or so. Um, what part, if any, has Ohio X helped with in terms of helping the state or working with other organizations uh, in terms of security for our elections? Yeah, so so us as an organization, um, we don't do that type. So we're not a consulting firm. You know, we don't come in and, and help with that. Um, and also, you know, obviously the the election, I mean, that's just like such a massive thing. And so we're, we're just, you know, a small nonprofit. But what's cool is in what, you know, what we do is, you know, we have the companies and the people that, that do help with that and, okay. and uh, in different ways. And so, for instance, one person, and this is kind of a, you know, this, we love boomerangs where people grew up here, left for whatever reason, came back. And so we have one, for instance, a guy, gentleman named Kevin Bonacci, and he's someone who I've known over, you know, from work in previous stints over the years. Uh, but he had been out in Washington, D.C., for instance, for three years. He worked at the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency. So that's the agency literally tasked with election security. And so he was one of the, the senior folks over there working with the director, Chris Krebs, who kind of became you know, tech famous, I would say during the course of the election for a lot of the work they were doing. And so like, that's an example of that's Kevin, someone that did that and he came back home. So he's now back in, in, in Ohio and he's gotten involved with our organization. So for our organization, you know, we don't, again, we don't go in and like do those things, but what we are here for is to, it's the people, companies and ideas. And so it's like the people like Kevin, it's the companies or the organizations in, in this case, like secretary LaRose and his team with the Ohio secretary of state's office, which in a lot of ways are national leaders and, and international leaders on some of this stuff and just connecting these ideas and the people and bringing light and awareness to it. And so uh, it's, it's really cool to see this. And, and cyber is one of those areas where you talk to people that are hiring, you talk to education uh, groups, you know, whether it's K-12 or college, you talk to businesses like cyber is so huge. And so that's even an area we're interested in of as a new group, we're doing everything pretty much for the first time. How can we do more in this to just kind of bring light to it, but then also showcase like how can Ohio lead on this? And so we just led via the election because of Secretary LaRose and his team, uh, but how from the private sector and, there, and there's all sorts of examples, but uh, it, it's just it's an area that's only going to get bigger. And hopefully we can you know play a small role in helping elevate that conversation. I wanted to follow up on the, because I've heard, I've now been on a ton of Ohio webinars and I wanted to follow up on that word you used, the boomerangers. <clears throat> um, and I think you mentioned it also in a cleveland.com article maybe a year yeah. ago. Talk to me about the strategy or, um, you know, maybe some objectives that Ohio X is using or trying to use to attract those boomerangers. Because I didn't realize you know, I'm not from here. I grew up on the East Coast, but I went to Ohio U, obviously. Um, so I'm, I'm not classified as a boomeranger, but my right. wife is. She grew up in Westerville. We lived in a, a couple of different places and now we're back. And so I won, I'm just curious as like, what is the strategy? If there is one for Ohio X, you, know, you can't do everything. Um, what is the strategy to try and attract those people back? Yeah, it's a great question. And so part of what we do at Ohio X, and we consider ourselves partially a, a media organization, you know, we don't do investigative journalism, and we're not a journalism group, but we do storytelling. And so a lot of this, it starts with awareness, because if people aren't aware, careers are available, or companies are out there, or that other people are doing what they're hoping to do, that's a really tough place to start. And so 
for us, it, it's that tackling that awareness side and doing that media. And so a lot of our efforts are around storytelling of people in Ohio that are doing interesting stuff, companies that are doing interesting stuff, job opportunities, because that's the big thing. You know, if you're in San Francisco or New York City, chances are you don't need just one job. You need two because your spouse or someone, you know, whatever is, is probably going to make that move. And you're, so you're looking for two careers, actually. And you talk to a lot of the uh, people making the move or considering making the move. And they're trying to figure out what's happening like in tech. And so they know the big co's. They're trying to figure out the startups, but they're also looking for those middle market businesses that, you know, don't show up as soon as you Google a company, but exist that employ maybe 200 to a thousand people. And so there's kind of this kind of, I, I would say this like valley of people trying to figure out, okay, I go work at this one big co. What happens when maybe it doesn't work out, or maybe I want a job promotion, want to go elsewhere. How do I, like, what are the opportunities beyond that first job? Because a lot of, you know, people that are kind of passionate about their careers and very action oriented, you know, they want to make sure that you move to a city and it's not just one company that's hiring. Now, luckily in Ohio, we, we, there's so many jobs open. It's just letting people know they exist. And so it's been really cool since we're doing all this media is, Every week I get a LinkedIn message, I get an email, I'm hopping on a call with some Ohioan that lives in a place like New York or lives in a place like San Francisco. And they're either just moved back, they maybe are in the process or looking to, and they're all so excited. And, and that's probably my favorite call. I was on the phone with a, a woman recently who's from New York City. She works in tech. The company she's at was, uh, she's been with them for a while. They've recently passed a billion dollar valuation. So now they're a unicorn and she gets to work remotely, but then raise her family in Cleveland, the Northeastern Ohio area. And she's just so excited because she can have it all. She can have the, the personal life. She can have like the career. And so to your point of like this acceleration, I think it's opened up opportunities. And for us, the key is just telling these stories and doing the media. But like another interesting thing for uh, Governor DeWine and Lieutenant Governor Husted, where they've made this a big focus in their proposed budget, the state budget, there's actually millions of dollars that they're trying to get that is, is targeted at recruiting people to Ohio. And so, you know, that's like the big stuff that, that we don't, you know, we don't do and we don't have the budget for, but even us, you know, telling these stories, it's resulted in people coming to us and saying, Hey, how can I get involved? How can we move back to Ohio? Man, I'm so happy you brought that up about the DeWine thing. So my, uh, so I'm from Connecticut, lived in New York the past five years. Um, and I was on, I can't remember the webinar, but Governor DeWine came on and they were talking about the marketing initiatives and they have a couple ones that, you know, find it here, find your Ohio, Ohio is for leaders. No, if you want Northeast people to move here, the tagline only needs to be, you can get anywhere in 20 minutes. That's the tagline. <laughs> That's it. There's no traffic. You can get yep. anywhere you want in 20 minutes. That's it. That's all you need to say. Forget jobs, forget ease of life, forget cost of living. The whole, the whole Northeast will move here because I can't, and I was joking like on the webinar when we went to breakout rooms, but I'm like, guys, you don't understand how easy it is here. Like it's so, you can truly anywhere you want, Hilliard, 20 minutes, Dublin, 20 minutes, yep. Westerville, 20, like there's no traffic, like hard stop right there. That's well, that, that, that was like, 
I've told this story a million times to like my friends. So when I moved back from the East coast to Columbus, so I grew up in Northeastern Ohio, went to school in Southwest, went to the East coast, came back. And that was like, people were like, how do you like it? I'm like, it is awesome. I work downtown. I live in a neighborhood kind of like right off downtown. That's like a small kind of community feel, but it still feels close enough and kind of inner city, but suburbia kind of all into one. I can go to work, come home, drive to target, pick up groceries, go to the gym, be back at home before 9 PM. I did all this stuff and it was like awesome. And so like, I completely get what you're saying. Yeah. That, that needs to be the tagline. Get anywhere yeah. in 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> all right. So similar, uh, similar type of question, but I wanted to ask and get your thoughts on how does Ohio begin to attract venture capital that is normally spent on the coast? I know you mentioned San Francisco, New York, um, how does that happen? You know, and I know you were you were recently on the Venture for America podcast. Um, so just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's interesting. It's one of those where there's a couple ways to go about it. And in Columbus, I, I would say, and I'm sure everyone else would agree, probably has had the most success in, in attracting venture. And, and it's largely you have drive capital with what they've done. And that was two venture capitalists that had built their careers in Silicon Valley saw an opportunity and at this, at this point have built this behemoth that is, I mean, such a, just such a positive for not just Columbus, but our entire state and, and really for people investing outside of Silicon Valley. And so that's one where it's just two people, you know, that were able to make this massive impact. And so that's like, you know, I would say that's one way to attack it. The second way is, and we're seeing this now in Columbus, I think, uh, with like the success of the insure tax, where we're having, you know, root insurance IPO'd on the NASDAQ this past fall. Uh, Bold Penguin was just acquired. Uh, Cover my meds, you know, if you, so you're having these companies with these really big exits, which then in turn create a bunch of tech employees that, have gotten these paydays and, and, you know, they take these bets on these startups that are, you know, chances are they're going to fail, but these ones worked out through a lot of hard work. And now you kind of have this angel investor class, which creates this flywheel. And so that's something that like you build this community and that just takes time. That takes like big companies exiting, but you're starting to see that in Columbus. And, and I'm just more familiar with Columbus because that's where I live. But, you know, in Cleveland, you see these bets around the innovation districts. And so that, you know, is got to, and I'm sure a bunch of folks up there, how can they attract investors in like health tech, uh, health venture funds there. Cincinnati, there's a ton of stuff happening with, you know, healthcare again with these innovation districts, but also things like uh, consumer goods, because you have like Procter & Gamble, you have Kroger, you have direct consumer. So there's all these different things. And I, I think you're starting to see, I mean, because of the COVID again, which is like the big theme for all these shifts, that people are leaving places like Silicon Valley. And so it's a matter of attracting them because right now, Austin, Texas, and Miami, Florida, those are the hot stop, hot spots in tech. And so I think that's where as a state and a city, not just for Ohio or Ohio cities, but across the country, there's a probably a once in a lifetime opportunity to attract either tech talent, investors, businesses. And so people will be judged, I think, on what happens, you know, last year, this next year, five, 10, 15, 20 years from now, because this is the opportunity. And so cities and states across the country outside of these coastal hubs have to, have to, have to 
you know, they, they just have to place their bets and they have to, this is the opportunity to strike. A hundred percent. It's going to be fascinating to see the next census to actually get the data of where people left, where people went. Um, you're spot on about Austin. It's funny, you know, uh, everyone has kind of their own thoughts and conceptions or, or uh, notions about Austin, Texas. And um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, their big tagline is keep Austin weird. Is it going to be weird in 2030? I don't know. I mean, Silicon Valley isn't necessarily weird. Uh, I wouldn't classify it as weird. And so there's a lot of, um, and this is off topic, but there's a lot of friction there with people who were in Austin in 1989, 1995, 2001 yeah. versus all this new money, all this new opportunity, all these new things that are coming in. It's going to be real interesting to see where, what, what runs that city in 2030? Is it still the weirdness, the South by Southwest, the, the cool opportunities there? Or does it become San Francisco 2.0? I, I can't, you know, that's going to be super interesting to see how, how they handle it. Yeah. Austin's definitely, and I was there at this point, I don't know, three years ago. And there were already, like I had a friend who lived there and was taking me around and we were out at lunch and you're we looking at like the skyline and he points to the skyline. He's like, I moved here five years ago from out of state and half of these buildings were not here five years ago. Yeah. And these were like massive, massive construction projects. And so I think that's the other, you know, there, there's good and bad with this type of growth. And so it takes smart planning. It takes, you know, again, bold leadership for, at the political level to ensure that this all happens. And it happens in a way that, you know, doesn't hurt the city, doesn't hurt society. And also how do you, how do you bring all citizens along for the ride? Cause these cities that, you know, you just drop in $150,000, software engineering and forget about everyone else like that. That's no recipe for success. Yeah. Um, all right. So we got a fun one to end, but let's get you out of here on this. You know, I'm uh, Paul O'Connor, founder of a brand new tech company, and I just moved into Columbus. What are the, the high level top three things why I should be uh, joining forces and, and become a member at Ohio X? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. <laughs> I don't know if I've heard it like that. So I'm a little nervous that I'm going to like, <laughs> this, I, this I do it. Yeah, I, I do like the pitch all the time. But what I would say is Ohio and tech in Ohio, we're at an incredible opportunity point uh, where people are leaving play, those coastal hubs. And so it's a matter of cities and states from across the country figuring out who's going to build up these incredible tech ecosystems. And that's the challenge I think we have. And for our state, I truly believe it takes everyone. It takes people from big corporations. It takes people from the startup world. It takes people from, from government. And there's a public policy angle to that. And that's what we do is we combined forces between all these different groups that are required in order to build technology, in order to build this, this hub and this ecosystem that we hope we can achieve. And so there's incredible work happening in all these different cities, but we're trying to take what's happening in all of them and make it easier to build technology in Ohio. And so you know, what we do is connect, promote and advocate. And so that's what we're here to, to serve our member companies and, and serve technology in Ohio. And so it's an incredible opportunity, I think, for our state where we're at. Uh, and, and we hope that we can play an important piece of that puzzle. All right, man, I'm in. I'm joining. Send the invoice. Um, all right, last one, and then we'll we'll uh, get you out of here. I promise. But uh, so you actually have a unique opportunity. I, usually, I'm just asking about one place, but um, 
what is your favorite now it can be COVID related like you know delivery over the past year but you can pick from miami you can pick from cleveland northeast ohio where you grew up or you can pick from columbus best food spots where are you recommending everybody to go to uh i will ask you don't have to say this but obviously new york for the past five years if you know of good pizza spots please recommend those <laughs> i'll give you a couple so you asked oxford so if you got to oxford you have to get bagel and deli so that's like these steamed bagels which is the place on high street where uh you go for lunch when your parents are in town and at 2 30 a.m when when the uh when the, when the local restaurants are closing and so that's like the yeah that's like the miami thing and so that that's one i would say in columbus uh i miss like sitting at which you know has been back for a little bit now but i miss like the patios um yes. and th there's a bunch of really great patios so like uh Bakersfield, which is actually a Cincinnati born restaurant, uh, kind of a Mexican food, uh, is now in Columbus in the short north. And there's a nice little patio that's like right on Goodell Street and then High Street. Uh, and so like sitting out there with like friends, you're having like tacos and chips and salsa and guac, like that's just a ton of fun. And I always loved like when people would come into town, uh, like taking them there because it's just short north and I think just pretty good food and, and pretty fun. And so obviously like the friends visiting haven't been a lot. Um, but Northeastern Ohio, that's a good one. Cause there's like a ton, um, as simple as it is. I mean, my favorite thing going is going to an Indians game, yeah. uh, with, with don't friends and family, like dollar, not even dollar dog. Don't they have like 10 cent dog? Night yeah, yeah. It's like, that's like the famous thing. Um, but the big thing like Cleveland is, is the, is the mustard. It's a ballpark mustard mm. and it's this like spicy brown mustard. And I'm actually a bratwurst guy. So like, I'll get a bratwurst, but like taking in a game, you know, a nice like Cleveland Saturday night, uh, Friday night, you know, the yep. wind coming in off the lake, like that's pretty fun. And uh, again, that's stuff I would do with family and friends and haven't been able to do it for a long time. So hopefully knock on wood this summer. All right. Those are three good ones, man. I appreciate it. Um, okay. Last thing, where can everybody find you? Website, social, all that good stuff. Yeah. If anyone's interested in Ohio X, we're at OhioX.org. Uh, on Twitter, on LinkedIn for both of those. And then I, my personal is just Chris, C-H-R-I-S, Barry, B-E-R-Y uh, on LinkedIn. And then on Twitter, I'm at Chris Barry O-H. Awesome. All right, man. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you for, again for coming on. And uh, yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be watching all the awesome stuff you guys are doing across the state. Good luck. All right. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. See you, man. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Rust Belt Rundown. Make sure you check us out at rustbeltrecruiting.com. The Rust Belt Rundown is available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and click on five stars if you enjoyed this episode. See you next time.